Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you go to in order to learn different things about travel. You come here to discuss them as a community. Hopefully, this will inspire you to travel more and then ultimately to enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me through a variety of different social media. Um, first and foremost, uh, you can always reach me at theprofessortravel.com, which is my website. You can reach me on YouTube or Facebook at The Professor Travel. I'm now available on TikTok, so you can reach me there at The Professor Travel. And if you're an Instagrammer, you can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you're on Twitter, find me at the professor tr1. And then if you're a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I am very, very pleased to have a visiting professor coming back to us for a second round of interviews. <laughs> this is Nora Fasu. Please say hello to everybody, Nora. Hello, everyone. We actually started recording just a little bit before this, and unfortunately, the power went out, so it's like, oh, this is take two, so right. <laughs> we're going to kind of move through this relatively quickly. Hopefully, there will be no power outages. In yeah. So um, so just for the benefit of my students who don't know you already, can you please go over your credentials, maybe just a little bit about your educational background and some travel locations you've been to? Okay. I have a bachelor's degree science from the University of Phoenix and uh, leadership with a focus in HR. I am currently in my master's program for public health, um, studying disease. Uh, and I have traveled all around the world, just about um, Africa, countries in Africa, Asia. I haven't been to Antarctica yet, but it's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have been to Europe, um, places as, um, gosh, I'm just my brain. I've been um, to Austria. I've been to Hungary, um, Singapore, um, Ghana, uh, you name it. I, I mean, I have so many places. Yeah. <laughs> and our last interview was on Ghana. And our next interview that we're going to do after this will probably be on Singapore. So, so yes. stay tuned, students, to hear more about that. But yes. for purposes of this one, we're going to discuss Malaysia. Malaysia. So tell me, why did you decide to go to Malaysia and how long did it take to plan this trip in advance? Well, you know, um, my my good friend, um, Sue, which is my best friend, she's from Singapore. Um, she planned the trip, actually. Hmm. Um, that was a surprise for me. I didn't know we were... Um, going to Singapore, I mean, to Malaysia initially, I just thought I was coming to Singapore for her wedding. And she told me probably about two months um, prior to me coming there that she wanted us to go um, to Malaysia for her um, honeymoon. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going on your honeymoon with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit okay. different. I promise nothing, nothing hanky panky, but it was just... <laughs> 
No, but I was her family. So her um, husband's family, mother and father, was representing him on um, the honeymoon. And I was her family representing her on the honeymoon. So it was just, it was an amazing experience. And I, and I fell in love with Malaysia. I, it's still, I've been to, even to the motherland, which I love the motherland, but Malaysia still has a strong place in my heart. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, knowing that you were going to, in this particular trip, both to Singapore and to Malaysia, did you have to do anything special with getting travel visas or special kind of travel medications of any sort? Well, no, not to Malaysia, not to Singapore, for sure not to Singapore. Um, that country is pretty clean. It's like New York on like the clean, clean level in New York. Um, it's very busy and whatnot, but going to Malaysia... Um, because I was coming through Singapore, I did not have to get a special visa, but they did question me a lot at the border. Hmm. They definitely did to make sure I am who I was. Um, they asked me a ton of interrogating questions, which it was a little, it was a little different for me traveling. Did they do that with most travelers? Do you know, or is it just that you were singled out and so they put you to the side? No, they did that with most travelers. Well, I w- let me say this. I shouldn't say they did with most travelers. I assumed because they didn't go. They didn't do my girlfriend and her husband <laughs> the way they did me. But my maiden name um, is Arabic, oh. and so I think that was more of like, okay, what's the connection here? That's where I can assume, but I still wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel threatened or anything. I just know that I, I typically do go through extra questionings at borders <laughs> because of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about the prepacking for a, a trip of this length. I mean, how, you, we already discussed earlier that you were already going to be in Singapore for 25 days. How yeah. much longer were you going to be in Malaysia for on top of that? Um, 10 Okay. So we spent 10 days in addition to my 25 in Singapore. Okay. And I'm a carry-on girl. So if I can do a carry-on. <laughs> Listen, I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking, I need to start my vintage carry-on bag line again. Because that was a really. I, I wasn't so inspired. My friends and family still are crazy. <laughs> They're like, if you want to learn how to pack something, get with Nura. Um, but I took a carry-on. Everybody had their little check-in thing. And I'm like, what? what's the whole thing? <laughs> I've done this a million times over. Let me show you how to do this. So (laughs) I pack everything in a carry-on bag. So for me, I wouldn't be your traditional um, um, traveler in that sense because least I like to carry the least things as possible. I realize when you travel, you don't really wear most of the stuff, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's easier to go through customs that way for me. Now, knowing that you're going to both Singapore and to Malaysia, um, I would think normally that you would gravitate towards uh, clothing that breathes easier, like gauze or linen or something like that. Am I correct on that? Or did you have different types of things that you would wear on something like that? Um, Yeah, I kept it really light. Anything that's easy breezy because that's the tropics that we're going to. Mm -hmm. Um, That I did know um, prior, but I still made some bad choices. <laughs> I brought some rayon. <laughs> I learned real quick. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you want to keep it real. I mean, extreme cotton is like your friend. 
if you can wear cotton, actually, that's probably the best um, thing to wear. Um, but other than that, I kept like little t-shirts, like the spaghetti strap t-shirts, or I kept the colors very light because the sun is out always. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just, I kept it very light and, um, make sure there was very airy clothes that I wore. So let's talk, can I talk really quickly about what you said about the spaghetti strap piece? Because I know when you're going to Malaysia, which is typically a, a Muslim country and it's probably mm -hmm. very conservative in certain areas. Um, do you have to wear some kind of a shawl or something over your shoulders or a garment to cover your head or anything like that during in the some areas, maybe, but we were in, um, Penang. Okay. And Penang, um, it's very, um, used to tourists. Okay. And so even though it was a Muslim country, um, they're very liberal in, in a sense. You do see, you do, you hear the Adhan being called the call of prayer and things of that nature. But it's not like if you're traveling to Dubai where you can't go into certain areas. It's the same thing. If you go into a mosque, you're going to have to cover. Yeah. Um, but walking in the streets and things like that, no. I mean, I saw a lot of people wear everyday clothes, but they were Muslim. But they wore everyday tropic <laughs> you know, clothes. I did see people covered. But um, I actually met a really wonderful family that I'm still friends with, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> okay, cool. So now where did you leave out of? Which airport did you leave out of initially? Um, I left out the um, airport in Singapore. So I left out of Singapore. It was more of like a two hour, I think it was like about two and a half hour, maybe three hour flight. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a very long flight at all. And it, I'm pretty sure I'm like, extending and it might have been like an hour and a half oh that's not bad at all no 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 but i don't recall the name of the airport that we landed <laughs> in but i just i just remember it was just it was kind of like an airplane and like a spirit airline plane okay that we flew in on and um i think it was probably about an hour and a half so maybe two hour flight Okay, so probably not uh, any food or drink options. Well, maybe like a refreshment. No, they gave no, they gave you. They they still feed you. I mean, that's one thing I. You're like, I love. Hey, need my food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> give me them snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they still they still feed you. Like they give you like water and juice, and they give you like peanuts and like croissants. You know, it's just a, their budget airline is still the service was still amazing. Do you remember what it was called? I don't remember what it was called. Those things, you know, I'm not, I just like to go, you know, next time I'll know. Next time I'll have those things. I'll have you take notes next time you go on. Your trip. <laughs> like that. Oh, Scott wants to know this information. I'll write it down, make sure I got it. So. <laughs> you know, because my girlfriend, she actually booked the flight. She took care of everything. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, this was, it was her, it was her, um, honeymoon but she took care of all of the expenses oh, for me and another friend it was two of her best friends she wanted to come and her mother and father-in-law so nice. yeah well that's fantastic yeah so now in in going here and in arriving in Panay did you have um someone initially pick you up was there was there like friends or family or did you guys have a taxi waiting for you anything like that it was taxi. We okay. had a taxi waiting for us um, in Panay. Um, and the taxi took us to this location, which I would call the ghetto. Hmm. I was like, okay, where my eyes started to get big. I'm like, okay, it looks like dilapidated homes over here. 
I was a little, I mean, I started to become, initially I wasn't excited about the trip. So I have to preference that Okay. because I just didn't know what to expect. I read up as much as I could, but it was not much you could read online at that time to Panay. And this was like 2012. So it wasn't a lot that you can like read up on it because they just really started opening the borders to tourists again, even though it's a big tourist, but new tourists. Right. And so it opened up the borders to Singapore and I was just like, okay, let's, I'm excited, but I'm like, why was the borders to Singapore closed? <laughs> I was like, somebody set me up for something. I'm not being punk. <laughs> but, um, you know, it looks it looks really old world. So think of an you know an Asian old world country with the shutter doors. Everything that I saw on TV, honestly, was like that. And I hate to stereotype, but it was like that stereotypical image of like this old Asian you know uh, town. But they opened those doors to the place that we were staying. Mm-hmm. And it became paradise. Oh, wow. And I, I was like, I don't know if you guys can see my goosebumps. But I have like <laughs> goosebumps. I still get excited talking about Malaysia because it was like this treasure that we had discovered, you know? And, and at that point, you know, I had this like, I don't know, you know, she got me here. She got me in the ghetto. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, wait. just yeah. hold on. Surprise is coming. I know. And it was like, no, it, this is just, we don't want to change what we love about our old world history and tradition and architects. You know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't like it was super clean. No, it wasn't dirty, but it had like that scrummy feel to it. But in when the doors opened to the building that I was in, it was a paradise. Mm. I mean, they had this beautiful pond. I mean, all of these tropic trees. Oh, I, I, oh, it was just, it was just beautiful. I mean, people with smiles, happy to see you. I mean, they sent me to my room. My room was like, it was huge. It was like the size of a school room. It, I'm like, all of this is for me. I mean, they had this walk-in shower with this beautiful marble. It's like, you know, it's like whatever you see, the you can't judge a book by its cover. And I was judging the book by its cover. And it showed me there was a secret inside, you know? Mm-hmm. And I and I and I was I was I was hooked on this book. I was oh, ready wow. to read. Yeah, it was just that was my first, that was my first and like experience with Malaysians and just their whole way of, you know, bringing, so it was surprised at every corner of my experience. That's awesome to hear. And it's one of those things where oftentimes when we do go to different places, we do make those initial um, mis- misimpressions based on what we're initially seeing. And um, for right or for wrong, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's a characteristic flaw that we have as human beings. Yes. I'm teaching a course right now on diversity and multiculturalism, mm. which gives me a, gives me and my students a little bit of an insight as to how people think. And not just in terms of race, color, creed, right. orientation, but socioeconomic, yes. geographic uh, prejudice or, some, or biases that sometimes That's we think right. about. It's really quite fascinating. And it's one of those things I think that by 
by taking part in this type of a vlog, by listening to it or participating in it, mm -hmm. we learn more about ourselves. We mm -hmm. understand more about the places around the world and how we interact with the different cultures that are involved mm -hmm. therein. So thank you for mentioning that. I think that's really important yes, to stand yes. out. Yeah. And, you know, I've always been one to be diverse. And here here I am. I was a subject to those things that I spoke against. And, you know, at that point, I mean, it's still my aha moment. You know, it's I still use people know that Nura loves Malaysia because Malaysia, um, that experience just allowed me to glow up. I like to say that <laughs> versus grow up. Yeah, oh, I get it. <laughs> It allowed me to, you know, just take those biases and put them to side. And I was talking to one of my subordinates the other day, and we were talking about how we just have to have the best intent with every experience, yeah. you know? And that was definitely my aha moment back in 2012. Like, do you sincerely have the best intent? Or are you just saying that? And it just really helped check me as a person and allowed me to grow. And we're the only people I think that have the capacity to do that. Cause if someone else tries to do that to us, oftentimes we perceive that as being attacked yeah. or we don't necessarily understand where they're coming from. Yeah. So sometimes we have to kind of be self, be, be good at the skill of self-assessment. Exactly. Understanding exactly. what it takes in order for us to be able to intake. And I don't know that I've ever met anybody who is really, extraordinary at, I mean, we, we all have our niches as far as understanding culture and trying to be as diverse as possible. Um, but I, I know there's always room for improvement. Oh, and absolutely. That's one, things, that's one of those things I think that we as a nation, as a, as a, as a, as a world, mm -hmm. we should continue to try to strive for because it only makes us, you know, better as far as our communications go, better oh, as far as our trade goes, better as far mm -hmm. as our, our lifestyles go. So, I mean, I, I that's agree. with your sense of purpose. So, I agree. So thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Um, so over the course of your time in and around Panay, what were going to be some of the locations that you were going to be going to? Um, we went to the Snake Temple. We visited um, Buddhist um, um, sacred places. Oh gosh, there was so many, uh, too many to mention. Um, but we went to, um, one of the hill sizes, one, which, uh, houses one of the largest Buddhist statues in the world. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, and the monkey sanctuary, I got a funny story about the monkey sanctuary. <laughs> talk to us, talk to us about it. Tell us about the monkey sanctuary. I love monkeys. I don't know why, but I think my nephew, actually, he was like this little spoiled kid. His, his dad gave him everything. And he wanted a monkey. He didn't want a dog or anything. And he got a monkey for a pet. And so that was the family's monkey. <laughs> I know. He was such That's a spoiled though. Yeah, he was such a cute kid, but he didn't know any better. And his dad gave him the world. And he's a really awesome person who served in the military for us and He's just absolutely amazing. But um, he had this monkey and I was just like, I, I fell in love with these whole ideal of monkeys. So any place I try to go, even when I was in Ghana, I tried to go to the monkey sanctuary. So I get to this monkey sanctuary. She made, she, she knew how I might sue my best friend. She knew I love monkeys, right? So she was like, I'm going to take you to the monkey sanctuary. And I'm like, yes, I'm getting excited. And she was like, well, this monkey sanctuary, they're kind of like in cages. 
some of them. So she know how I feel about pe- animals being caged, locked up. I'm just sure. not for it. Mm-hmm. But she, I, you know, I still went and it was just uh, so adorable. Um, they were, um, oh gosh, I forgot to type some um, monkeys they were. Oh, that's so bad. It's slipping my mind. It's okay. But uh, they are very human-like, you know, and they just have the cutest little faces and, you know, the cutest little mouth and they're very hairy-like. Um, and it was, I don't know, maybe about the size of a toddler, right? Very thin arms, brown, and they got like a white belly, mm. you know, belly side. And um, they were just so cute, so adorable. And I wanted to take pictures next to the monkey, okay? Mm. So I have a little, I remember the little iPods, you know, what's they call those ones back in, before they had these fancy cell phones, you had the ones you could take pictures on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do they call it? Look, oh, look God. how far it was almost from back in the day. Yeah. I'm like, we're talking about like 2005, 2006. I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> but they were popular before the like. Uh, big phones and stuff came before they merged the phones. Isn't it crazy? Because I remember having one in two thousand. Maybe it was the iPod. I think it was the the fancier, bigger iPods. I remember the smaller ones. But anyways, I'm like, let me take a picture with the monkey. And I'm like, he's looking at himself. He can see himself. He's like, oh, hmm, what's going on? And then I'm turn. I turned around to take a picture with me and the monkey. And the monkey snatched my iPad. iPod. Oh my gosh. And looked at me like (laughs) it was so funny because he was having a communication with me. Like I'm taking this iPad. He looks at himself. He was, I kid you not. I don't know if he knew he was just probably touching it, redoing what I was doing and scrolling. (laughs) He would not give me my iPad back himself. You watch, he's got like an entire little nest cave area with all these iPads and stuff like that. He's probably working for Apple. You don't know. I'm just saying. All my pictures was in there. So every picture from the thing was in there. But what happened was the um, keeper came and got the the pad and got it back for me. He looked at me and he grunted and he went, walks away onto the other side of his cage. It It was a large cage. I mean, this cage was super large. Um, but uh, his hand was so quick and those little spaces in between was so small mm. for him to get it in like that quick. And um, there's a huge sign next to the cage. Do not stand close. <laughs> Just saying. You know, that was like the run. I was like the butt of all jokes, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it did say don't put any items and don't stand near the cage. But I I love it because um, even though they were in cage, um, a lot of these uh, animals that were there were um, going through like it was like a sanctuary where they were going through like healing. Mm-hmm. They were injured or something happened to them and they brought them to this space. But they just they said they had to cage them because they had different animals. They just couldn't run off and run wild. They had different types of animals that were harmed or hurt. And they were bringing them here to kind of make them get them well. And at some point they'll send them back. So that's why I shouldn't have been close because this is not like a domestic, this is not domesticated animal. You know, even though they were there, they were cute. They were like, this is what they would be like if they were in the jungle. And so Although, that was just the eye opener for me. 
I will tell you, uh, just before we recorded this a couple of days ago, I recorded another session with another colleague of mine, a former uh, companion of ours from uh, that we used that we used to work with over in Phoenix many years ago, and she was down in South Africa, and she does work with primates down there, and so she's part of a group called Prime Care. Uh, I know Prime Care. Oh my god! So he actually goes for a couple months to do some surrogacy work with baboons down in South Africa. Baboons. That's what they were. Okay, there you go. And so these are like little ones and sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's because like a farmer may have shot the parent and and unfortunately the child is there and, you know, good that they did not shoot the child, but I mean, bad that they shot the parent in the first place. Um, All all things considered though, uh, you know, her role is to help uh, nurture the baby, uh, you know, the baby's with her for like almost a month. And then wow. gradually they get them out to a, um, a surrogacy mother, a baboon yeah. mother, uh, who takes them on. And then at one point during this whole pers- during this process, they release all of them back into the wild. They as, oh, wow. a, as, a, as a pack uh, with like all these baboons uh, at once. So it's That's it's, so it's amazing. A, it's a communal effort, and it's a really wonderful thing that she does. And so, oh wow! So oh, wow. if anybody, if any of you students haven't seen that yet, um, go back to see the the vlog and podcast on that previous South Africa episode. So, but getting back to Malaysia because that's where I want to focus. Also, talk <laughs> to me about the Snake Temple. I'm very curious about that one too. Well, snakes is very huge um, in Malaysia, and it's interesting. I was just reading something about. Um, the snake energy, even as it relates to the Egyptian crown, like snakes, when we hear about, think about snakes, we think about danger, but snakes are really powerful, protective energy. Um, and a lot of, a lot of cultural belief there is that, um, it, they don't necessarily worship the snake itself, even though it may seem like it. Cause when I go into the temple, snakes are everywhere, mm-hmm. like just roaming around freely. And it's, a, it's there's a lot of snake temples that we discovered um, in Malaysia, but we went to one in particular, I don't recall the name of it, but it was very fancy. Um, it's a lot of gold outside. There was Buddha there as well. But when you go into the place, you, you know, you have to take off your shoes, you know, and, Hey, if I don't know if you've ever had a snake go across your feet, but it was like that. So you kind of can't have a fear. <laughs> fear right here. Sorry. <laughs> you can't have a fear of snakes. <laughs> you know, okay. So I have a, I, I, I'm one of those people, there, there's, there's, there's lots of really interesting animals that we have instinctive yeah. fears of for no apparent reason. Snakes. <laughs> And rats are the two that I don't like. Those are the ones that fear me out. But on the flip side, I have no problem with spiders. And what? my husband and people I know have, they're terrified of spiders. And I'm like, no, I'll hold a black widow or tarantula in my oh, no. face and I don't have a problem with it. No. Mm-mm. See, I'm your opposite. <laughs> See, that's my flip side of that whole argument. I like spiders and I don't, I'm not a big fan of snakes. I don't like, I don't like rats either. So I'm with you there. <laughs> you know, I'm having like New York flashbacks right now, <laughs> but, no. but I, I do not like rats, but spiders. Mm, no, I mean, I don't, um, I don't cringe, but if there, if I saw a tarantula and I've, 
I've been around tarantulas before. Uh, my friend used to have one as a pet. Mm, yeah, probably won't ever stay over that house ever. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. But the snakes, I just thought it was just fascinating because, I mean, a lot of some of them snakes I heard in there, and, and I don't, I didn't see it. I didn't go in that room. But there's those there's some snakes that if you bite, they have a venom that can cause like harm. But they really have this connection where I felt like because of all of this praying that they did, because they when you come in, I noticed them at the doorway. They always made a prayer. They would light an incense, they would put it in the sand, and then they would stop and make a prayer before they even really enter the temple. Um, and that's just paying uh, respect and homage. And it was more about the energy that the snake represents. And, you know, and the purpose of the snake being in our environment and what it does and its relationship to Mother Earth. I just thought that was amazing because... At, compared to you know our everyday mundane life, we don't really get, we don't really stay in touch with nature as they do. When nature is a part of it, and they kind of support and they worship not worship nature, but have like this respect for it's nature. Like a, it's like a, it's like a symbiotic relationship. Yes, they're... and that's what you know. It made me you know I always saw myself as a naturalist my whole life. You know, even when people used to make fun of me eating grass at <laughs> University of Phoenix, <laughs> I've been a grass eater. So that's my thing. But I'm still a city girl. You know, I there's still some things that I was like, nope, I'm a city girl. It's the city girl, and this is coming out where I can uh, tolerate certain things. But even myself. I don't really, unless I go to the country, I don't really have that one-on-one -on -one with nature. And I don't really have that sense unless I'm presented or put in a place. And I just think that's just really admirable of them to just have that respect. But yeah, snake temples was really huge. The snake really represents so much power in their community. And that's just something that they, you know, hold in high esteem. Anything else we want to go over while you were in Malaysia there? Uh, any other places that you went to? I actually went to uh, a burial um, temple. Mm. And um, what was interesting about this burial temple is that, you know, it was underground and people wasn't buried like in the dirt. Mm -hmm. They were buried in like, um, they were buried in the walls of this temple. But when you went in, you could just feel the energy of this space. Um, and these people, what made it so unique is that these individuals didn't have a lot of money to get buried. And people donated money for these people to be have a proper burial. And some of those individuals were also cremated and put in, put in spaces and have they, so these people were like people who didn't really have family. You know, so a lot of people in there were like what they considered no name. And I thought, for me, that was like, wow, they're honoring these individuals who don't have a, a family connection. And it was like, wow, they even care about the smallest things in life where we may overlook, right? Because everybody has a connection. Everybody has a family. And they're just like, you just can't toss this human to the side without giving that human a proper barrier or proper respects. And people, it's a place that people visit. That's what I thought was amazing. You know, and I don't know, I really, that really um, impacted me because as that, it's just that human connection again, 
where we take the little things for granted. I got my mom, I got my dad in my life or my stepdad, my, my biological father passed, but he was active in my life. I got my sisters, you know, we don't really, I'm not really in touch with people I don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's just out there. We're here if this person was an orphan or whatever the case may be. Um, and they died alone or they died with no family, but here's this whole community coming around them to embrace them and it to sounds, remember them sounds, and making sure. Yeah. It, it sounds like the society as a whole, at least in Panay, appears to be very driven towards the community and mm-hmm. enrichment of the community. It was. So it was. It was. It was very, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, The food was interesting. Maybe not. um, So they cook a lot of rice, of course. (laughs) Of course. Rice is huge. But they also had this thing called bat. It's like a bat nest. It's kind of like. (laughs) Bat nest? Bats create this nest. They create nests like birds, right? Yeah. And you got people that will go into the cave, bat caves, and they would get old nests and they will create and make like a stew with it or a jail. And <laughs> it's like caviar. It's expensive. It's, it's a delicacy. It's there. Oh my God. It's like huge. You it's know, like I, you eating, ca- and it's expensive. Expensive, and I was I, like, Whoa, I, I just don't think I could afford a bat to eat a bat's nest. I'm sorry, I guess you know I must be too poor for that. But hey, you know, I, the rice I can stick with. I can. Uh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and um, there are other like what fermented kind of food? foods is big over there. Okay. I, which was shocking because I didn't think I didn't think this. I don't know what I thought, but they had a lot of fermented dishes, hmm. and I'm like, okay, they have spicy, of course, you know. Yeah. I'm like, you in the tropic, it's hot. Everything is hot that's going into your body. But that's probably why they stay fit. (laughs) I lost five pounds over there. I I did. If I had to eat a bat's nest, I would probably lose five pounds. (laughs) um, That that being said, like what kind of other, like what kind of proteins do you see that they had in their, in their dietary plan? It was mainly fish. Fish was huge over there. A lot of seafood, a lot of seafood. I'm not big on um, seafood, like I used to when I was younger, you know, um, I'm really like, no, but they had a lot of seafood. They had this one, um, it's this one thing. So we went in this alley. (laughs) I wanted the real experience. I did not want my friends taking me anywhere that was like, you know, uh, foo-foo, you know, or bourgeois. So <laughs> I was like, I want the real non, you know, tourist okay. experience. All right. So we go into alleys to eat food. I'm eating alley food. <laughs> street food. Actually, street food is very common amongst. No, I was in the years. alley. I was not on the street part. I literally was in the alley. Okay. <laughs> Some of the places I know my bougie friends would not do this. But my girlfriend talked about this one um like fruit dish that it was good. It was made with jelly and beans and beans, like kidney beans hmm. on like ice cream, like a ice creamy dessert. So what like they a, do- like, Almost like a red bean in a way. It was a red bean. Like they shaved the ice. They put the, 
They put like the sugar sweetener on. Uh-huh. They put yeah. like jellies. Yep. They put red beans. I want to think it probably I, with some broccoli too. <laughs> I've, I've had I've had something similar to that, and there is a there is a fast food restaurant uh-huh. uh, that's from the Philippines that yes. makes something very similar to that. Uh, it's called Jollibee. I'm not sure if you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jollibee has something called I think it's called like haru haru or something like that or something like that and it's this exact same thing it's like shaved ice they have yes. red beans in the bottom they'll have um like jelly and different types of like yes. maybe, maybe it's a little bit of ice cream or something like that yes. and mix it up it's yes. phenomenal it's so it was good. so good i know right yes i was like i will eat this alley food all the time but they did have chicken so they had these like little chicken lollipops mm-hmm. so they'll push it all the way up to the top and it would be like this super red color. They would put like um, paperica coloring on it. It was like really good. Um, we like also, a sauteed way, but they just like push it up on the stick a little bit. Yes, yes. We also went to the Hakka Centers, which this is a place where mm. it all made sense. Because I was like, my girlfriend, I was like, why is she always eating um, off my plate? We was in New York. She always wanted to share a plate. And so, um, and so, uh, what happened was <laughs> I get to, I get to, uh, Malaysia and what happens is there's these Hakka centers and that's what you do. You go to the different locations and get small little samples. You guys come in the middle and oh, share. It's a cultural thing. Yes. I thought she didn't have any money. I was <laughs> like, she must be poor. <laughs> And it wasn't. That's just how she eat. Let's take a little bit. And you know what? That's how they stay small. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you enjoyed and got an opportunity to experience that yeah. too. You had a really nice place to stay. You got a really great opportunity to view the culture and have snakes all over your feet and stuff like that. And uh-huh. But the food, it sounds like you really had a wonderful experience while you were there. I did. Awesome. I did. Awesome. So yeah. talk to me. Now you're going to head back. You're heading back to the U.S. via Singapore, or are you going a little bit different? I'm going I'm going back to Singapore. Okay. Yeah, I'm going back to Singapore. Um, and like I say, very short trip. Mm-hmm. Um, coming back, it wasn't as um, difficult um, at customs as it was coming in. Okay. And um my remember my and I just remember my girlfriend did say that there was an issue prior which is why they were a little strenuous on um customs. And then like I say I had a muslim name. <laughs> I got which it. Which kind of like put me in that spot for you know, for extra question. It's funny it's funny that you mentioned that because when I travel, you know, it's you know, sometimes and to my students, I, I mentioned this before, you, you kind of have to weigh in on when it's a good time to travel. Sometimes yes. you know, you'll hear about this security risk that happens, or maybe there was a terrorism situation that happened somewhere around the world. That doesn't mean that you should never go to this country. It doesn't right. mean that that's the case. You just right. have to kind of weigh the risks. Is yes. it serious? Like, for example, in 2016, I went on a brief excursion, uh, and when I mean brief, I mean like within one week, we went to London, Amsterdam, uh, Rome, and the Vatican City, and Barcelona. Wow. And that was in one wow. week. So I'm in four different locations, yeah. ha- paddling through airports like crazy. <laughs> but while I was on that vacation, while I was in London, they had a bombing in the London subway, yep. in the tube. Yep. And while it was in Barcelona, uh, the Catalonian government, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Catalonian government is trying to secede 
from the Spanish government. Yep. And so all of the Catalonian politicians were arrested by the yeah. Catal or by the Spanish politicians. So all this all the Catalonian ones were arrested by the Spanish ones. And so when we were there, protests went out through the street, and it was like, yeah. okay, is this going to be violent or anything? Yeah. It, it wasn't violent, but there was a lot a lot of noise. I mean, right. so, bringing out pots and pans and things like right. that. So, you know, sometimes there will be these protests that will happen in different places, or sometimes there will be a terrorist plot or something like that that occurs. Um, sometimes there can be governmental civil unrest. I always find it's good to go to the CIA world book just to get a little bit of an idea. Yeah. Just to yeah. get, your, get your mind around where you're going to. Yeah. But I mean, you're, I've been to Russia. I've been to um, these places that have had these different terrorist activities. It's yeah. It doesn't diminish the culture, the beauty of the people, and the history of these locations for any for any stretch of the imagination. And I'm going to continue to travel no matter where. So yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I wanted to bring that up really quick. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about some takeaways from a trip like this that you went to Malaysia. Talk to me about just a few of the pros that you got from going on a trip like this. I would say one of the one of the biggest pros is the people. Um, so inviting, so inquisitive. One of the things that I didn't mention, people felt very comfortable coming up to me. Um, I don't believe that a lot of Blacks travel in that area. So for them, it was very like, exciting you know and I had long braids then I was telling everybody I was Beyonce <laughs> <laughs> and so but it was one of the interesting things as well is that I I did see people who had very similar complexions to myself mm -hmm. as well and so and so one of the things that um I loved about um the space was that the people was just so inviting. It was such an inviting experience. The food was good as well. Um, the, I would say even the weather, the weather was really amazing. It was some hot days, but it was still beautiful. They, the ocean, it was just allowed a nice breeze just to always come through. So when you get too hot, the ocean, you know, breeze will just kind of cool you down real quick. Um, but those are probably my, um, biggest things that I love about. And then like, it's one other thing that old world still exists, like the history, the culture, you know, that is still there is still present in the people and everyone you talk to is a historian. Like they are very proud of Panay and Panay's rich history. Nice. What was the currency that they used there? Do you remember? I don't remember the currency, but I just remember, I want to say the God, I wanted to maybe say the ping. I remember it being so, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember like taking care of everyone's dinner for that day. And mm. they were like, no, 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 we have it, we have it. And I'm like, no, because I went online to do the currency exchange and to take care of like, like six people that was there and eat whatever they want to eat because they ate a lot of food. <laughs> It was like 80 American dollars, but over there, it was kind of like 350, which was extremely expensive over there. And so that was, that was like, um, really nice, but I, I want to, I don't remember the currency name. No, okay. that's fine. Um, what are some of the things that uh, maybe a first time traveler would want to know when going to a place like Malaysia? Um, just to be that the customs are a little bit different. 
you know, um, everyone, it's not an English speaking place. Mm -hmm. Um, so knowing some type of Chinese is going to be important. Um, and, but there are a lot of people in the tours, like the hotels, they can speak. So you want to be able to know how to, you know, my girlfriend, she's very fluent. So, (laughs) um, that helped a lot. Um, Traveling around, you know, because we're very large people. The people there are very small. So some of the bus systems and the little vehicles are very tiny. And they're on bikes a lot. They can put like six people on one bike. I saw saw a family. (laughs) I was like, okay. And then, you know, some places we went into the mountains and... The people are afraid of heights. So sometimes a lot of places are very mountainous there. You know, even just driving up the hill, it's just like, no, you're driving up the mountains. You got to ask, are the hill or the mountain? Because, <laughs> you know, they had this road that was like this big. Only one vehicle can go up. And if your vehicle wants to come down, they have to call from either end. And then here's the cliff. If it goes one way, you're off. It's over. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the floor of a lot of my vehicles. <laughs> it's just like, but when you experience it, it's just. It's, I don't really have too many things to be aware of because if you travel with an open mind, I think everything is possible. You know. Um, but it didn't rain a lot there. Maybe I wasn't in the rainy season. But I mean, one of the things to remember that and I and I something I knew but it was hit by the tsunami Mm. and that was something that I always you know gave respect to you know and I didn't try to force that conversation onto people but they would let you know like this area was affected and I just you know gave my condolences and things like that and I always you know tried to give to people um, donations or whatnot. People will ask. There was a few beggars, not a lot, but I gave away because I, one of our dollars go so far over there. And just think about the people that were just displaced with the tsunami alone. And, you know, it's just impactful. But other than that, I didn't really have, and other people may have other things to be aware of, but I was just in awe the whole trip. Nothing. You can give me a pile of done, and I probably thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, um, any like any say value adds or cost savings or best practices that you would like to share with anybody that they uh, one that? of the things you do want to pack light. I mean, that's the thing because, like I say, the vehicles are very small over there. And if you're coming with four or five suitcases, I I would probably vote against that. Um, You just need to travel on bag going to that Panay area. Mm. And they travel a lot by foot and bikes. So you need to walk and you need to be in shape. So if you're not in shape, even the elders are in shape. So (laughs) that's really, it's a big walking a walking place is super walking. Very nice. Well, thank you for Mm -hmm. sharing that with us. Also, I know that during the course of this discussion, we've talked about a lot of the different type of natural remedies and things that you've talked about um, as far as your eating habits um, and, and, and experiencing that Uh, for people to get more information, not only about Malaysia, but about the subjects that we talked about, they can, can they still reach you at motherlandorganics.com? They can. They can reach me at motherlandorganics.com or motherlandorganics.com. 
the number two at Gmail okay. if they want to send me an email. But they can still send me um, an email through Motherland Organics uh, and it will come to my email account. Likewise. I really appreciate that. Thank Not you so problem. much for sharing your time with us today. Oh, thank you for having well me. We're going to hear from you again in the future when we talk about Singapore. So thank yes. you so much again for sharing your information on that. To my students that are out there, if you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with me, certainly you can reach me at scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you would like to be informed of when new videos go up, please click the bell notification icon at the top of your screen on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed, please do. We definitely like to hear from you as well. Uh, if you like this video, please give it a thumbs up. And if you're listening on the podcast, please feel free to rate us. We really appreciate that. Until next time, make every opportunity to travel a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. Bye. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with the Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.